Hello, everybody. This is Anthony Cloditis, pastor at Faith Presbyterian Church, sitting with Seth Walters hey. and our very special guest, Michael T. Muhaw, city commissioner of Hermitage, Pennsylvania. He's our guest today, and we're thrilled to have him on the show and to learn more about him and our city. How's everything going? Good. Good. Did a lot of filming today and uh, preparation for our outside service tomorrow. Awesome. So, yeah. Tomorrow starts our first official day back at church. Of course. Yeah. With everything going on. So we wanted to ease into it and we're meeting outside tomorrow and we're pretty, pretty excited for I that. I think that's a smart thing to do to ease in on, you know, with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it kind of lessens the anxiety of being inside. And, mm-hmm. and the cool thing is, is... It's going to be nice tomorrow. Yeah, which that's is a good, good thing. Western yes. PA, right? Yeah, yeah. Every every, every day where, you don't know you, where you wake up one day and it's it's eighty, and the next day you wake up and yeah. you have to go run for your mittens and your hats and your yeah. scarves. Every day you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I like your uh, your Apple uh, computer background. I like that. Thank you. Everyone yeah, makes I fun like of it. it. Why do they make fun of it? I, I, it's got some really cool things on it. I don't know. Patty's Irish Pub. That's uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's one, one of my favorite shows. And yeah. Mario and Elmo. And I'm glad you appreciate it. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know why people make fun of it. Why do you make fun of it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's just skip right through that, okay? <laughs> Honda. Honda. My dad sold Hondas at Shenango Honda here for about 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. My, my whole family drives Hondas. Yep. Yeah, we're Honda family. Mm-hmm. We we were a Honda family until my wife wanted a pickup truck, and we couldn't get the Ridgeline because she didn't want it. So oh, we have man. a Dodge Ram, but I drive a Honda. Okay. So. Yep. Uh huh. Very good. So uh, that is a nice, nice Dodge, by the way. Oh, thank nice you. Dodge. Yeah, yeah. I got it from we got it from Scheidemannel here in Hermitage. It's really nice. Yeah, my wife picked it out, and I drive it now. Right now, for right now, <laughs> my wife does. My wife's not working because of the COVID scare and everything like that. So gotcha. Well, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Michael Muha. I am a city commissioner here in Hermitage. Uh, I've been a city commissioner for uh, about uh, at this point where I was elected in November of, of 2017, uh, and I took office on um, early January 2018. So um, a little over two years, and um, it, uh, I, I'm... I'll be running for re-election, not this year, but next year. Um, so I've been elected twi- twice. Um, I'm an attorney. I've been practicing um, general practice, uh, you know, anything from criminal defense to family law, landlord-tenant issues, personal injury, you name it, for about eight years since April of 2020. Um, I'm from Hermitage originally. Um, I was born in Greenville, raised here in Hermitage. I'm a 2002 graduate of Hickory High School. After that, I went to Slippery Rock, where I got my Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and a minor, almost double major, in Philosophy. Um, graduated in 2006, 
Then I moved to Washington, D.C., where I got my uh, Master of Arts in uh, Political Science from the American University in Washington, D.C. I interned on uh, Capitol Hill for our then-Congressman Phil English. Uh, of the th at that point, it was the 3rd District of Pennsylvania. Then after that, I moved back home and lived at home for a little bit, and then I, got my, I moved to Cleveland, where I got my law degree from the Cleveland Marshall College of Law at Cleveland State University, graduated in December of 2011, and then came back here, passed the bar on the first shot, and then started practicing law right away. So I'm, I have my own practice. It's in Sharon. Uh, my office is across the street from the Sharon Hospital. Uh, been, have, I've had that office now for about three or four years, and uh, but I've been practicing for about eight. So um, other than that, that's... That's pretty much me in a nutshell for in terms of who I am as, you know, in my career. So I'm married. Um, I have a beautiful wife named uh, Becky, Rebecca. Uh, she's from Mars, PA originally, and she is a Head Start teacher at um, uh, Mercer County Head Start teacher in Sharpsville. So cool. And you've mentioned before you're a you're a cat lover, correct? I am. I have four cats. Um, Preamble, Hamilton. Uh, Lady Bird and Ruth. Very nice. <laughs> Those are great names. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> they're very yeah they're very cute uh, very cute cats. So we uh, we take care of them and that's about it. <laughs> so you've had a long journey to get to where you are now. Yeah, what, very what, long. What I'm wondering is what inspired you to become um, a, a lawyer and what also took you in the direction to, be, to become a commissioner? Sure. Um, this is kind of a, a, a longer answer because uh, there's a lot going on. And believe and, and if you need to stop me, go ahead. Um, I wasn't planning on ever wanting to be a lawyer. Um, I always had this idea of, of, of thinking about going. Um I'm, I'm a very political person. Um, I grew up that way primarily uh, because of uh, really in the end three three people. One person I never had a chance to know and two people that I knew very well. Um, uh, the two people I knew very well was my grandfather, George Muha, and my dad, Terry Muha. Um, my grandfather, uh, George Muha, is, was a... Um, a, 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 yeah, he was. He was a first generation immigrant. Um, my uh, grandmother or great grandmother and my great grandfather were immigrants from Eastern Europe, uh, what is now known as Ukraine. Uh, at that point, where where the where the the where my family came from was actually Czechoslovakia or or also Austria, the Austria Hungarian Empire, but in that specific part in Europe. Uh, at that time in the early 1900s, it really was kind of a hodgepodge of different thing of different places because um, borders always changed throughout uh, Eastern Europe at that point. Um, my great grandpa escaped in the back of a wagon and went to Hamburg, Germany, where he hopped on a boat and traveled to um, to to uh, America. He settled in New York City and um, at a neighborhood in Brooklyn called Brighton Beach, which is basically um, now it's kind of like the Eastern European neighborhood of Brooklyn. Um, so at, he, he did the Ellis Island. Yes, thing. correct. Uh -huh. Yeah, he did Ellis Island. He came over in roughly around 1910. Um, then after that, he had um, it's my understanding that he had trouble finding finding work. So he ended up moving, of all places, to Morgantown, West Virginia, where he became a coal miner. 
Um, he met my great grandmother, who actually was born in America by immigrant family, but then went back to Eastern Europe and then came back to America. So my great grandmother was actually an American, but by birth, but she was essentially an immigrant because she went over as a, went back to Eastern Europe as a child and then came back over. She spoke very little English, from my understanding. Um, uh, when I was little, she passed away when I was little, so I didn't really know her that well. But um, so they settled in Morgantown, West Virginia. They had five five sons, and my, the oldest was my grandfather George. Uh, George uh, graduated from high school from Morgantown High School, and then um, immediately jo- joined what was called the Civilian Conservation Corps, where he worked on um, different things relating to. Um, uh, state, state and national parks in Utah. Uh, after that, he enlisted into the army, um, a little bit later in, uh, World War II and was stationed in Alaska for a a point of time. And then he transferred to, um, and was deployed to England where he was at RAF Tibbenham, which is located near, uh, Suffolk, England. And he was a nose gunner in a B-24 Liberator. That is right up my alley. I'm a huge fan of like... Eighth Air Force stuff. Yep, That's exactly. So cool. Yep, yep. So you're exactly right. Eighth Air Force. Um, his plane, um, his his I should say his bomber was part of what was called the Big Week, um, where they dropped um, they dropped bombs on places in Vichy France and Nazi Germany. Um, uh, he obviously made it out okay. Came back home, started a family, moved to Mercer, PA, uh, obviously nearby, and then had my dad. Um, the reason why I bring that up, that, that story about, about about my grandpa, was because he went through a great deal of, of sacrifice. Obviously, he was a Great Depression kid, grew up in the Great Depression, was born in 1920. So by the time the Great Depression hit, he was like 9 or 10 years old. And as he moved on through life, he dedicated himself to public service, including you know sacrificing his, his life for our country in World War II. Uh, he was a big believer in public service. So he uh, he won. He believed in public service um, and he believed that um, that, you know, his, you know, his his grandson who loved public service. And we'll get to that in a minute uh, was something to to strive for. Um, The other person is my dad. Um, My dad uh, was as a was a very and still is, even though he has his past, um, a great influence on my life. the one thing I can say about my dad was that he um, never he never stopped me from wanting to believe in and and follow my dreams and what I wanted to do with my life. Um, same with my mom too. Um, my dad passed away on January twenty eighth of this year, and it's been very difficult to deal with because I had a very very good relationship with him, um, very good, and so him not being here is a is, is tough, but you know, you, you, you have to deal with it. So you have to go through with it. Um, the last person that has been influential in my life, a person I never had a chance to meet was, um, or, or in my opinion, the greatest American that ever have lived. And that's Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, uh, reading a lot about him as a child. Um, my grandfather on my mom's side, his middle name was Lincoln because he was born 100 years to the day Abraham Lincoln was. Abraham Lincoln was born on uh, February 12th, 1809, and my grandpa was born on February 12th, 1909. And so um, he had a middle name, Lincoln, and 
that was kind of my entry point, you know, growing up as a child, learning about him. Um, I learned how to read at a very early age. Um, my parents said I learned how to read the names off cars when I was a year and a half old. And then as soon as I was able to read, you know, short, short books, I, I, I kind of, uh, hovered over the Abraham Lincoln, George Washington type, type stories about him, about them. Um, the reason why uh, I'm so influenced by Abraham Lincoln is 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 a little more. Um, it's it's different than what most people find uh, about him. Uh, for me, it actually revolves around depression. Um, I have suffered for depression uh, for my entire adult life. Um, I uh, suffer. I've suffered from depression and anxiety since I was 18 years old. Uh, I was bullied in high school. Um, I attempted suicide when I was a junior in high school, um, bullied for my personality, for my, uh, for me being overweight, things along those lines. I was a very shy kid, uh, not, not doing drugs or anything like that with the guys that I used to hang out with who started using drugs. And the one thing that I kind of tied myself to and, and really focused on was the depression of Abraham Lincoln, which a lot of people don't actually know about, um, Abraham Lincoln's first love was a woman named Ann Rutledge who had died from, um, I, I'm not exactly sure if it was typhoid or tuberculosis, one of, the, one of those um, diseases that, that took people's lives when, in the mid-1800s. And um, he actually was so depressed about her, about her death that he was on suicide watch. And he had a gun that, that his friends had, had take, taken away from him. Um, that depression carried on with him all of his adult life, including through his presidency. Um, there, the movie Lincoln with Steven, the Steven Spielberg movie kind of hints at it a little bit where he has like visions and, and, um, he's very, he's a very me melancholy person. Um, obviously it, you, you can't really help being a melancholy person if you're a leader of the, of, of a country that's going through such strife and, you know, hundreds of yeah. thousands of people dying on both sides. Right. And so, um, I kind of gravitate more toward that of him than anything else. Um, just because of the fact that, um, I relate to that. I relate to the idea of, of wanting to be a leader and wanting to help people, but also having this internal struggle that you have every day of your life and you're dealing with, all this, um, you know, pain, you know, whether it was me as, you know, younger as a child and trying to figure out what we can, what I can do to help people. Um, I talk to kids about bullying and suicide prevention a lot. I've talked to thousands of kids throughout Western Pennsylvania, whether it's here in Hickory or Ambridge and in, in Beaver County or wherever I, wherever I'm invited to go. I, I talk to kids about that and give them tips and tricks on how to deal with, um, suicidal ideation and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, I know that's a lot, <laughs> and I know that's that's kind of like the inspiration um, to kind of pivot because I know you had asked about being a lawyer. Um, <clears throat> in, on December, actually, no, I'm sorry, it was November. On November 10th, 2003, my cousin um, Wayne Urey was a night counselor at George Jr. Republic in Grove City, and he was murdered by two youth uh, that were that were there. Uh, they uh, wanted to escape, and they stole his car. Um, I was the sentencing spokesperson for the two uh, juveniles that had that had murdered my cousin. And that at that point was really the time where I was like, OK, I think 
going from political side of things and going into the law. So after uh, college and then grad school, I went to law school and wanted to become a lawyer. Um, the ironic thing is I'm actually a criminal defense lawyer. Um, it's not really ironic when you think about it, though, from at least my perspective, because um, I'm a strong believer in the individual rights of people um, under our United States Constitution. And one of those rights is that you're innocent until proven guilty and that um, everybody is what I was taught in law school was everybody's one step away from being a criminal defendant, whether you did something or you didn't do something. And the system has to work for everybody because if it doesn't work for a guilty person, it won't. It may not work for you either. And so, um, I take. I, I wake up every morning and I think about how how I can I help people in the different ways that I'm involved. Whether it's being a city councilman, being a criminal defense lawyer, being a, a divorce and custody lawyer, being um, just a person you know living in our community. So, so you you had mentioned three people who are very influential for you. Your grandfather, your father, and Lincoln. Yeah. And you spoke to a quality of Lincoln that you sort of, I don't want to say admire, but connect with. Yeah, absolutely. Give me one or two limited um, qualities or things you admire about the other two, your grandfather. And sure. If you had a word or a sentence of something you admire about them, what would it be? Um I, I would say uh, for my for my grandfather, it was the lo- his love of 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 education and knowledge. He um, we used to uh, read books together when I was you know with him. He had a huge library. He loved he loved soaking in information. And my dad was the same way, so it could apply to my dad as well. They were really big believers on education being the 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 tide that rises all boats. Mm. That the idea I that. Like that. That, that it's education, that learning about things and learning about people. One thing that I absolutely loved about my grandfather was, and I learned this after he passed away, was he was a traveling salesman. I come from a family of salesmen. My dad was a car salesman over here at Shenango Honda. Before that, he was at Varley's Dodge City, which was also in Hermitage. Um, but my grandfather was a traveling salesman. He sold steel buildings, and then he, he created his own steel building company in, in West Middlesex. But the one thing about my grandpa was, since he was a traveling salesman, the one thing he loved to do was if he was in a new city, he'd pick up a newspaper and he'd want to find out what's going on in that city at that time. And one of the things that he had saved up was he was traveling throughout Georgia at the time of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So we have we have copies of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution of uh, November 22nd, 1963, November 23rd, 1963, uh, the day of John F. Kennedy's assassination, the day after, the aftermath, that kind of stuff. And he he always wanted to know things. He always wanted he, – he soaked up knowledge. And I mm-hmm. think he learned that from his family uh, or from his grandfather. And he wanted – they wanted just to – he wanted – he was a big believer in learning. He read mm-hmm. books all the time. He – he just soaked that stuff up, and I'm kind of the same way. My dad was that same way. You know, we always wanted to learn about things, and 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 because learning helps, it, it rises all boats. It mm-hmm. allows you to to be more, um, to have better conversations with people, to have a better, to have a better life, to know, to you know, to to put things together, to to be essentially smarter. That's cool. Um, and so, you know, that um, I I would also say that. You know, um, 
the undying support that they had for me is is big. Um, they were very, um, I don't want to say loyal because you kind of have to be loyal to your kids or your grandkids. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's that like they were always just full-throated support. Like, what do you want to do with your life? Let's plan out some goals and let's achieve those goals so you can be that. And then always having a ladder, not like working your way up the corporate ladder or trying to get ahead or anything like that, but like trying to be a more like a, a more complete person, right? Right. Putting things together and building blocks to work your way up. You know, like my dad, my dad was um, one of the greatest memories I've ever had of my parents was um, when I interned on Capitol Hill and my parents came to DC for the first time after I had moved there and I gave them a tour of the Capitol building and them walking up and me, seeing me in a suit standing behind the Capitol building, my dad had tears in his eyes because he was like, my son made it. Yeah. Even though he was an intern on Capitol right, Hill. Right. But it was like, it was a dream I always had to be to work in government. And, you know, I, wor- I, I, I worship the American democracy. I worship the American, American experience because... Without that experience, I wouldn't exist today. I mean, I'm 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 a proud, very proud person that to know that I come from immigrants. So I'm you, very proud of that. Your that's your so story, cool. in a nutshell, reminds me of the very inspirational Jimmy Valvano yeah. story about his dad. Sure, he said that his dad every season would call him and say, "My bags are packed," meaning you're going to be in the the uh, the finals, you know, mm-hmm. final four, win the championship. And he said, my dad gave me the greatest gift that anyone can give me. He believed in me. Yep. So, so there's some some heavy stuff there about you. Now let's segue into sure. s- some hobbies. Let's <laughs> let's learn some let's let's learn some fun yeah. things about Michael Muha. Yeah. What do you like to do? I love golfing. Um, again, learned that from my grandpa and my dad. I love golf. Um, um, I'm a big fan of baseball. Um, I'm a uh, Pittsburgh Pirate fan, although they're, you know, I, I've kind of um, adopted a second team, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I really like Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I, I love the city of Toronto. Um, they have a lot of young kids on that team that um, are, are really good. But um, I actually have a side business where I collect and sell baseball cards. Um, you know, it, a lot, that it's a really big hobby nowadays, um, but you can make really good money on it. Um. Uh, in terms of other things, it's really tough to say because I just I'm so busy as a person. But I, I, uh, I love movies. I love trivia. I love participating in things like bar trivia competitions and things along those lines. Um, do, do you have a favorite sitcom or uh, yeah. uh, shows that you've watched? Where yeah. you could say are my favorites? Yeah, I'd say um, my favorite my favorite sitcoms are probably uh, I see the Patty's Irish probably it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, Seinfeld, I really like uh, The Office, Parks and Recreation. Um, I'm particularly I'm particularly uh, connected to Parks and Recreation because it's really like a, a public service type thing. You, you two are you two are two peas yeah. in a pot over yeah, here. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in terms of um, like like movies and things like that, um, I watch a lot of movies. Um, I, I have a lot of favorites. Um, Give me, not in any order, one or two or three of your favorites. Um, I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. My dad used to read the, uh, the books um, once a year, um, and uh, I grew up with that love of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. 
Um, other, I mean, other movies that I really enjoy. Um, I'm a really big fan of, um, of obviously I mentioned it, Lincoln from Steven Spielberg. Um, after I finished watching that movie, I thought if it, it felt like Steven Spielberg gave me a call and was like, how do you want a Lincoln movie made? And I'm going to make it. And then I was like, it's, this is like the perfect movie. For okay. Me. Um, I really love Saving Private Ryan, um, mainly because my grandfather fought in World War II, and while he wasn't an infantryman, um, it, that kind of that movie kind of instilled like that 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 spirit in me that that to honor our our veterans and things like that. And then um, lastly is our um, uh, as the, uh, like the Shawshank Redemption. Right. I really love the yeah, Shawshank Redemption. The yeah, that's I a really like the Shawshank Redemption a lot. Um, Better than Seth's favorite which is battlefield earth starring john travolta oh, it's not my favorite yeah. no, yes it is <laughs> well, okay. it's, it's, it's oh. my favorite been a category of worst movies ever made it's up there and it's up there it's pretty bad can you can you real quickly give him the background of my what I, how i like to record things well, you know, like the like the Battlefield Earth, like every shot is that I forget what it's called. What is it called? It's the Dutch angle. The du- oh, the Dutch angle. It's, every it's every like kid, weird, yeah. Uh, everything this guy that. does, it's always the Dutch angle. Uh, how so do you know about the Dutch angle? Were you he film did, He did. because oh. I oh, keep on recording. I'm like obsessed with that angle. <laughs> so then and started, he keeps on saying it's terrible. Yeah, the Dutch so angle. He, <laughs> so then I started calling him John John Travolta. And he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't getting the reference. That's so, so I sent him I sent him a clip of I'm like this. This is the worst movie ever made. I watched it just to laugh, and he's like, "That is that is absolutely horrible." Yeah, but yeah. So yeah. the Dutch angle is on to me the same level as lens f- flares because lens flares are up there too. It's just so like bad. you know, I'm a I'm a Trekkie. My dad was a Trekkie. I grew up with that. But the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies have a lot of the lens flare, and I'm just like, I just I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. Let's segue out of the Dutch angle. Okay, I like the Dutch angle, but apparently <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the vast major minority here. It, it um, could work. It could work. It yeah. does not work. Go ahead. Next one. All right. So um, professionally, so you've got two really big callings. I would call them yeah. in your life. You know, it se- it seems like like the, you didn't choose them; they chose you almost, which yeah, is a calling. I, yeah. Um, what is the most? Tell us the most gratifying part of both of those callings. Um, it easily, it's the ability to help people and to, but to do it on a level that it works for me. I think, I think generally, um, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the idea that if, if you don't have a calling, but if you find something you really love, try to, to do some, try to do that, but try to help people through that, whether it's being a pastor or, you know, or being, uh, being involved in broadcasting like you are or whatever, just like. The ability to help people, to inspire people, mm-hmm. to provide guidance to people if they need it. And it just happens to be that my way is through the law and through public service. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is easily uh, the most gratifying thing is being able to help somebody through uh, and make people – essentially make people feel good, make people feel – you know, I, I don't want to go too deep and too dark on this, but – a lot of the horrible things that are going on in the world right now, um, particularly with the, the protests and police brutality and things like that, the one thing that I'll say about that is, and how it ties into this, is I have a, I have a strong belief that people, by and large, just want to be seen and they want to be heard. And for a long time, people, whether they're in the whether they're uh, racial minorities or or LGBT or whatever, 
they're not they're, they're either not seen or they're not heard and what my role is is to make people seen and make people be heard and listen to what they have to say and then if they and then try to implement those things in a way that benefits society as a whole um I guess you could call me a utilitarianism, a utilitarian at that point, you know, like whatever helps the common good. Um, I, I'm, I, you know, and if it, and if it does, I'm in favor of it. Um, it, people need to be seen and people need to be heard. And for a long time, you know, in different areas of the country or different places or different times, people aren't seen or people aren't heard. And so my role is to try to make people seen and make, make people heard in the case of, um, in the case of like custody or divorce, in a lot of cases, people their they their their interests aren't brought to the to the forefront. And what court does is it allows people to air grievances to talk about what's going on in a relationship or talk about what's going on with a you know their relationship with a with a child and things along those lines. You know, I, you know, I've been in very heat, very serious, heated custody battles between a mom and a dad who may, they may hate each other's guts, but they love their child equally and trying to fight over who has the child more than, than the other. And, and sometimes they use their children or their child as a pawn, which is really, really sad. And it's awful. And I try not to get involved in that, but in other times they, they have, they have differing opinions. There's a lot of miscommunication. There's a lot of disagreement, but by and large, they love their children equally. And so what my role is, is try to push out what, try to push out what my client believes and what my, and so my client is seen and is heard Mm. and allow a judge to decide or a trier of fact, whoever to decide who, um, you know whose opinion matters more and who who what's in the best interest of the child things along those lines so in the end i'd say gratification is definitely trying to help people very good seen and heard you know we could argue easily that a lot of jesus's ministry if you read the gospels was doing that very thing absolutely he was always very close with the down and the hurting Mm -hmm. while it was people who were far off that were sort of with their fingers out pointing yep you know but as Jesus got closer and heard their story, you know, that's what that's where compassion comes in. Absolutely. Empathy is key. So, empathy is absolutely the most important, in my opinion, is the most important virtue. Em- empathy. Uh, no, understanding what people are going through, mm-hmm. but not only empathy, but also acting on that empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, not only knowing and understanding how people feel, but in trying to find ways to to, to help people mm-hmm. and acting on it. It's not, to me, it's not enough to just to say, Oh, I hear you. Oh, I feel you. But you actually have to do something about it. You have to take action. Well, James, you know, that's sure. what we do here. Yes. We like to connect things with the Bible. Of course. And, and, and in the book of James, he actually talks about sins of commission. Mm-hmm. The things that you do, it's like, don't steal. Yes. But he talks about sins of omission. omission. Right, and so that's what I hear you saying a lot of is there's it's the absence of an action, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what I want to do with you now is flip the question. Yes. What's the least gratifying, or what's the thing you look forward to the least? Um, the thing I, I look forward to the least is um, I because I come from a family of salesmen, I like to negotiate, and one of the hardest things, especially in like in, especially in custody actions, is having to use the things again like the the negative against somebody to prove a point 
that becomes very difficult because in my opinion, there's no, and I truly believe this, and I know a lot of lawyers might disagree with me, but in my opinion, no problem is is great enough that you can't work it out in some fashion. Um, I'm a big believer in the idea of, of the legal term, or it's not really legal, it can be outside of that, of mediation. Um, I'm a trained mediator. Um, I believe that that we, you could always settle problems without having to take it to court. And mm-hmm. when the problems, when you have the immovable object versus the unstoppable force and you can't come to a conclusion and a court has to get involved, that's the worst thing in my eyes because that's when you got to put the kids on the stand or, or, or in chambers and they have to testify and say how bad they don't like living at mom's house or how, how, dad, mm-hmm. how dad lets them do whatever the, the heck they want to do and all that kind of stuff. And when you have that battle and you have to essentially go after the other person to, to get to, so your client can get what they want, I really don't like that. Um, I, if, I, listen, I, if I have to do it, I have to do it. But generally speaking, um, you'll, you'll try your best yes, to, I, I'm to a, avoid that. I'm a very big believer in the idea of, of avoiding trial as much as possible for that. Well, particularly with particularly with custody, divorce and things like that, because in my opinion, every almost everything can be worked out when it's criminal defense. That's a little bit tougher to do because if somebody's innocent. They're innocent. If somebody, yeah, I mean, you have to take it all the way. If there's proof that the person didn't do something, but the Commonwealth disagrees or the state disagrees, you know, you have to take that all the way. But in terms of like custody and divorce, when you have to, when you have to get nasty, that's what I don't like. Mm -hmm. And I try to avoid that Mm -hmm. as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, In terms of um, the public service angle of things, if there's the, I guess you could say the number one uh, thing that's that's least gratifying is wanting to do something and you're in, unable to do it because of restraints like we don't have enough money or um, you know if we had the if we if you want the money we have to raise taxes and things like that because what I can tell you is in like the city of Hermitage uh, for example this is a good this is a good topic is um, we have more roads. In the city of Hermitage than any other municipality in northwestern Pennsylvania, except for the city of Erie and Mill Creek Township, which is right next to Erie. And one of the problems is a lot of people come to us and say, hey, my road it has a giant pothole in it or this road hasn't been repaired in a long time, um, but we don't have the money to do it. And part of that problem is trying to balance, well, how what do we spend money on and different things like that. And unfortunately, sometimes the least gratifying thing, I guess you could say from my perspective is having to tell somebody we don't have the money to spend on repairing a road or, or being able to do something because the, the cost is we may have to raise taxes, which is something that I, I really don't believe in doing at all. Um, I'm a really big believer on that idea is keeping taxes as low as possible for people because especially in a place like this where there's a lot of people struggling, and especially at a time like this mm-hmm. with the coronavirus right. and a lot of people not working, right. one thing I'm not a fan of is forcing people to have to essentially pay more taxes right, to, right. To, to, to cover things. It's never popular. It's, America, ne- right? it's never popular, and I, and I, and I, I understand it. I just, 
from you, all, you but you have to it's a, there's a balance because there's also responsible governance too and we can't let roads go bad yeah, we can't have right. we can't have um, a, a minuscule police force and, and i'm um, guessing that's the that you know you have people like a pendulum on both sides who you know absolutely. one group that wants to see all that stuff done that doesn't understand the other side of raising taxes absolutely and the other side that doesn't want to ever have their taxes raised that you know, and so you battle this all the time. Absolutely, it's a it's a constant struggle of uh, people who uh, who 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 want public service services, and but versus the people who they don't want to see their taxes raised. And there's always this push and pull. Um, there's also also the people who want public service, but then when their taxes go up, they get angry. But then there are also the people who want to keep their taxes low, but then they want their road re- re- they want right. their road repaved, right. and it's like, well, we can't do that without raising your taxes. So it's this constant struggle of 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 that, and 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 it that's I, I would say that's probably since time immemorial, you know, since. Yeah. Since probably the Roman Empire, right. you know, we well, if you want another road to lead to right. Rome, we got to raise your, we yeah. got to raise your taxes, you know. Right. So I have two two more questions. Sure. One is looking forward. One is looking back. Okay. okay so the first one, looking forward, um, in ten years, we're having this conversation. Let's say, what's the one thing you hope to be different locally? If we're having this conversation in a decade. Um. I, I think, I, I think there's a lot of things that I would like to see different. Um, I don't think it's one thing, but I'll tell you one, and that is, I would really like to see our economy get better here. Um, I think that they're also tying into that. I think we also need to address the population drop off, particularly with young people that are leaving and they're not coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, I think by and large, that is the number one issue in Western Pennsylvania by far. Mm -hmm. And that is the quote unquote brain drain. Um, A a, a good way to to kind of counter to kind of counter this and to kind of explain it is. My wife is from the town of Mars, PA, which is located in southern Butler County, just 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 north of the Allegheny County line. That area has exploded. This is by Cranberry. Yes. And all that. Yeah, yeah, right next to Cranberry Township. That place has exploded with people. People moving in left and right. Um, my in-laws are are they live in um, they live in a um, a little borough named it's called Calorie. It's between Evans City and and and, and Mars. And there are townships surrounding them, like Adams Township, Middlesex Township, Cranberry, and they're exploding with people. And these houses are huge. I don't know what these people do for a living, but basically, in a nutshell, it's people leaving Allegheny County and moving to Butler County because they want to get away from the urban sprawl of of everything that's going down in, in Allegheny County. Um, more and more people are leaving the city of Pittsburgh and they're moving into these townships. They're getting bigger houses. They're living in, you know, quote unquote McMansions or whatnot. And they have every right to do so. And I'm, I'm not stopping them, but I would like to see that happen in, in Hermitage to a certain degree. So how do we do that? I think the number one thing is we have to have our, our city governments work together to try to pull our resources to encourage more businesses to come here. Um, one of the reasons why a lot of people are li- are living in that area um, is because Cranberry Township worked really hard with the state of Pennsylvania to bring Westinghouse 
their world headquarters of Westinghouse in Cranberry. And um, they worked hard. They worked. They pulled their resources together to try to bring businesses here. So then when Westinghouse came in, all these other businesses came in, they rolled in. And we have an opportunity to do that here in the Shenango Valley with the um, the Shell Oil crack, Ethane Cracker Plant that's being built in Manaka. I think that um, that is our play. Um, for those who don't know, there is a um, Ethane Cracker Plant where they take um, the – I don't know all the details. I'm a lawyer and I'm not a scientist. But they, yeah, so. yeah, they take – they basically they take a lot of the um, the fracking oil and they turn it into plastics in some some fancy way, and then they ship those plastics to different ancillary jobs that or ancillary companies that use those plastics in a myriad of different ways. There have been multiple studies that have shown that this cracker plant being built in Manaka in Beaver County, right off of Interstate three seventy six. Could create up to, um, I think the last time I've heard was, last study I've read is anywhere between 35,000 to 50,000 ancillary jobs in western Pennsylvania. Hermitage is particularly, particularly poised, in my opinion, to really strive in that regard because we are the northern terminus of 376. You can get to be, you can get to the Shell oil cracker plant on 376 by going the speed limit. You can get there in roughly around 35 to 40 minutes. Um, we're, we've got the, we've got the space, we've got the people, we have the geography. We're literally, um, that we were a stop in, in, on interstate 80. We're about 10, 15 minutes from Youngstown, Ohio. We're really close to the 7980 inter- interchange in Mercer. We've got the Northern terminus in 376. We have a lot of different things that are going for us and, once this shell oil cracker plant is is built, it's going to take a little bit of time. They're still working on it now. Once they get that built and then they start working and these ancillary jobs pop up, it's incumbent upon our city and our county to take advantage of that and to try to encourage as many businesses to open up here. Because when businesses open up here, they need people. People will move here. And then when people will move here, it creates a better, a better quality of life for our citizens here in, Mer- in Hermitage. And then particularly in Hermitage, our quality of life is much higher because we have a really great school system. We've got um, multiple recreation uh, facilities, whether it's Buell Park or the trail system that runs throughout Hermitage. But I, I would argue the schools are the most important because, you know, obviously younger people like myself, I'm, I'm going to be 37. They're, they're going to move up here. They might have kids or want to have kids. And the Hermitage School District is a great place to raise your, to, to raise your children and, and have them be educated in the Hermitage School District. All right. So uh, speaking of kids and younger self, this is my last question. Sure. What advice would you give to a younger Michael T. Muha? It's it's a tough one, and I'll tell you why. Honestly, my immediate thought would be, don't listen to all the haters, and to avoid dealing to 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 remember that life is better than it was when you were in a bad place. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I'm I'm a little hesitant on making that my answer is because without that, I don't know if I'd be the person I am today. I don't know if. Um, I would be able to, do, I don't know if I'd be here talking to you today. I don't know if I would have married my wife, things along those lines. Mm. 
So it's really hard to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that potentially could be my answer um, as long as things end up, it would end up the way they are now. Um, right. Because I think that my my depression held me back for a long time, but it doesn't necessarily hold me back the way it did then. It's more along the lines of, it, it's something that happens. It's something that I constantly, I constantly have issues with, but it also fuels me. Mm. And so, without that, without that, I don't know if I'd have that internal fire, that passion to to do good things. Right. And so, it, it's a tough, it's a it's a tough one. It really is. I guess the other thing I would say is spend more time with your grandfather. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with him already, but. You and spend a lot of time with your dad because I um there you don't even though you may love them and you may have spent a ton of time with them, it's a lot different now when they're gone. Because now you're looking at it and you're thinking, Well, I don't get this I don't get this I, I, I can't see them now. I can't. Um mm-hmm. they may be I think I believe that they're here with me, but that's not the same. It's mm-hmm. it's not the same. And um you know, it, you, yeah, I, I'd say, it's, I'd say it could be that too, is, is taking mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Mike, I appreciate you coming out. I know you're very busy. Yeah. Well, and, thank you for having me. I, I wanted to do this for a long time. It was great. I loved it. And, and, and perhaps, you know, we're starting a new series. So if, yeah. you're, if you're listening out there, um, we're going to be having in different local leaders and so uh, hopefully this is you, you would be featured first. <laughs> you're, you're the trailblazer. And uh, and so I'm, I'm envisioning maybe even in the future we circle back and sure, absolutely. You know, have, have more, more conversations. And, yeah. and yeah, even I'd, if you have any ideas to take yeah. it a new way. Where I'd love to be on. It would be pretty cool. So This was great. This is Anthony Claditis, pastor at Faith Presbyterian Church, sitting right next to Seth, the sticker guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and of course, uh, Michael Muha, Hermit City Commissioner. Thank you for having me. Live long and prosper. All right. Awesome.